Is your team not performing well? Is morale low and turnover high? Are you falling further behind the competition? I'm here to help. I'm Shani Magoski, and this is The Leadershifter Show, where business strategy and culture finally meet. Explore shifts of all kinds required to build cultures of trust, engagement, and execution excellence. I promise I am not your typical boring leadership consultant, and I will help you and your team get your shift together. Hello, Leadershifters, and welcome to another episode of The Leadershifter Show with Shady. I am excited to introduce you to today's guest, David Mead who is joining me today from Salt Lake City, and I couldn't be more jealous because they just got a huge dump of powder on the mountains and they're still open. (laughs) (laughs) I got not one, but two eye rolls from you during that introduction. That was great. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And not that any of you are going to play your mini violins for me or anything. It's while I sit here in sunny South Florida where it's 82 degrees and sunny. (laughs) (laughs) I just, having lived in Vail for 13 years, I miss the mountains and I certainly miss skiing. So folks, David has a really interesting background and a very interesting future, of course. He worked for 10 years for Simon Sinek, who most of you probably know well. He did a TED Talk and David actually co-authored a book with Simon about his tool, The Power of Find Your Why, and it's become a phenomenon in corporate America and, frankly, in all over the world, just the what's your why, find your why, because it's much more important to start with why than to start with the what or the how. And David is now in business for himself and up to some exciting things. So we'll talk about all of that and more on today's episode. David, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jenny. Good to be here. Fantastic. So let's actually back up to how you got connected with Simon Sinek in the first place. So it's sort of like the earlier part of your career and how you transitioned to that? Sure. So um, it's one of those completely unlikely stories that uh, it's, it's, it's fun to tell and it's just fun to have that as part of my, my personal uh, past. But um, I started my career in, in corporate training. I was doing sales training and I had just been hired by this little sales startup here in Salt Lake City. Um, and I'd been on the job for like a week and they were having this evening event uh, and they said, hey, you know, you should come. We're going to bring in a guest speaker. And so I thought, sure, I'll show up. Um, and some dude named Simon Sinek showed up uh, to speak to us. Um, this was 2009. So nobody knew who he was. There was no TED Talk, no book yet. Um, the first TED Talk and the first book came out later that year. Um, but he was still unknown at that point. And so he's sitting there talking, sharing his um, just sort of that, that initial core of an idea that he had to start with why idea to, you know, 15, 20 people on this tiny little, in this tiny little company. Um, and I, I basically stole his idea and I wrote it down into the training manual that I was writing as the, as the director of training for this company. 
Um, and he came back to visit us two or three times. He was doing some work with our CEO and that kind of thing. And so I, next time he came into town, I gave him a copy of the manual that I had written uh, just to show him what he had inspired. I didn't expect him to read it um, and he didn't. Um, but the, the gal that was working with him at the time, she did read it. And she called me two or three months later and she said, we were both just really surprised that you could hear him speak one time and turn it into something. Uh, we're putting together an online course to help you know, individuals discover their why. We'd love to have you come and help because you seem to have a knack for taking his ideas and turning it into something tangible. Right. So I was like, sure. So they were on East Coast time. So I would wake up and uh, work with them a couple of hours in the morning before I would go to my full-time job. And for about two years, I would take all of this cool stuff I was learning from with them in the mornings and try to incorporate it into this you know, company where I was uh, working full time. Um, turns out that that company where I was working didn't really get it. Uh, they didn't want to pay me anymore for what they didn't really want. And so they let me go. So I called Simon and I said, hey, I got some spare time. You got anything else for me to do? <laughs> <laughs> So at that point, that was um, 2011. And so that's a, at that point that I started working with Simon full time um, and then started speaking on his behalf and spent the rest of my time there traveling around the planet, uh, giving talks and workshops on, you know, um, the, his, his concepts and ideas that he was writing and talking about. Fantastic. And, you know, thank you for being transparent about getting let go and having to search for a new job. Because one of the things, that shift in leadership means is sometimes we're shifting roles and it doesn't have to be proactively. It can be, you know, unexpectedly, if you will. And along with that shift goes a mindset shift of being like, okay, that happened. Not going to dwell on it. Going to take all the great things I know and bring it to the next lucky organization. And I think not enough people are honest about those sorts of things happening along their career path. So kudos to you. Thanks. I mean, I think to your point also, and this is, uh, I'm going off on a little bit of a tangent here, but it, it, it sparked my, my thinking when you said that. I've done a lot of work recently and I'm still working on it of detaching my value from my job or from my status in my job or whatever it is. Right. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of us have a, have a hard time talking about being fired or being laid off or these shifts or these transitions or this change that we're going through when we have our identity tied to that, to that, it means if, we, if we get let go as a person, that means our identity is also dragged down with that, right? Um, and I think that's one of the, the biggest things that I've learned and I'm still learning is that my value is not tied or my identity is not tied to where I work or who I work for or how long I've been there or how much money I made there or any of that stuff, right? And it's so hard sometimes to, to make that, that separation. But as soon as we do, we can realize that, you know what, just like you said, I can take that greatness, that value that I have, the experience, all the stuff I've learned, I'm not going to dwell on that. Like that's gone. I'm still me. I'm still that awesome person that can now take all that to a new context, to a new environment, to a new team, to a new career, whatever it is. Thank you for that, um, that diversion or whatever you called it, because that is so important. And 
you know, as human beings, we're wired to see things as threatening. And then in this day and age, it's okay, protect our ego, protect our status. And the simple way to put it is it's this two, two different sides of the same coin. Human beings want to look good and they want to avoid looking bad. And one of the main things that we all think makes us look good is what we do for a living. You know, is it prestigious? Is it lucrative? Is it high powered enough and all those things. And at the end of the day, it really doesn't fucking matter because that's not what goes on our headstones, right? It's not, you know, David Mead spent 10 years traveling, you know, touting the power of why from, you know, by Simon Sinek. And then he was a consultant and that, (laughs) like, that's not what our gravestones are. It's, beloved son brother parent friend right and and that's what our legacy is is how much joy we've had and how much connection we've made to other people so I thank you for bringing that up and I want to encourage all of you who are listening or watching to ponder that for yourselves like what do you base your identity on? Is it some sort of external factor or is it something that you know within yourself, which is the more, let's just say the more evolved identity view? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's so funny that you mentioned the, the headstone thing because that's the place where I always take people is, what do you want people to say at your funeral? I have never been to a funeral where the, the deceased person's net worth was mentioned ever, right. right? So, I mean, we're gonna get to that point where eventually we realize that none of that other stuff really matters anyway. Yeah. Why wait until we're 70 or 80 or 90 or about to die to get to that point? Like yeah. we can recognize that right now. And that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with making money or having a good job or you know being a CEO, all that stuff is fine. Yeah. But the relationship that we have with that, it's not about how do we get more for ourselves? It's how do we use the money or the position or the resources or the influence that we have to lift other people up around us? We can still have all that stuff and do all the good that people will talk about at our funerals, right? It's just the relationship we have with those things. That's right. I mean, that's what people are now saying about Melinda Gates, for example, and Bezos's ex-wife. They're taking their net worth and joining the club to give most of it away before they die and their philanthropy is what will be talked about you know sure ladies not that i'm wishing anything on you but <laughs> you know that's the, that's what will be recognized in their eulogies and to take us down another tangent it won't be too much of a rabbit hole but i gave a eulogy at my mother's funeral about three years ago and she was a teacher mm-hmm. And I didn't focus on, you know, she showed up in the classroom every day and she taught X number of classes a week and she taught at these schools. No, it was about the impact that she had on students, things that she knew and things that sadly she didn't know until after she passed away. And my sister and I got deluged with emails and text messages and Facebook IMs when they 
heard or read about my mom's passing, like, oh, your mom had this impact on me. And oh, your mom taught me this. And I do this in life because of something your mom encouraged me to do. And, and this was back in the 70s and 80s that yeah. those students were voicing this stuff from. And it was just, it was really lovely for us to hear that and to be able to, to talk about those things, share those things at, at her memorial service. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's get back on track, <laughs> which is to, to ask, what was your experience working with Simon like, especially as he went from relative obscurity, then doing the TED Talk, and suddenly really being on a worldwide radar screen? Yeah, you know, it's really interesting, because I've never had that experience of seeing go seeing, seeing something go from nothing to like something you know right. uh, something I, yeah is a bit of an understatement um so and, and it's interesting i think the turning point was around i don't know 2015 or so maybe because any time before that you know you get the the standard question so what do you do and i would always kind of tentatively put it out there like do you know who simon sinek is no idea, right? And in about 2015, it started to like flip on the other way and people are like, oh yeah, I do know that guy, you know? Um, and so it was, it was interesting to, 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 from that perspective, but also I remember in the really, really early days, um, I think, again, I had, I had been with him full-time only for a couple of weeks, I think. He happened to be doing uh, an event in Paris. And so he flew me and the other gal that was working with him at the time was just three of us at the time um, out there to sort of have this, you know, offsite and sort of plan like, okay, this might be a thing. Like, what are we going to do with it? And I remember him saying um, that his, he's like, well, know that we've been successful when the term why is just part of the vernacular. Like people just use it, you know? Yeah. Um, Start with and it's, yeah, <laughs> totally. I mean, you know, the book's been translated into dozens of languages, so you got all kinds of uh, translations out there, but it's totally, that has totally happened. And, and, you know, I won't say that it's, um, 100% him. I mean, it's gotten out there enough that where, you know, I'm sure some people are using it who have never heard of him before, but for the most part, I mean, that this whole idea of what's your why, find your why, what's your purpose? Like that is now so widespread mm -hmm. um, and so just being able to see that sort of become part of the way people think has been really interesting another um, part of that experience that was was really interesting to me is when when we first started you know getting some traction it was with industries that you might expect right um healthcare um hospitality these these industries that are very sort of people focused sure but the transition that I started to see in the, in the later years was, um, you know, attorneys, uh, engineers, um, you know, the tech world, like all of these, these industries that you think that doesn't sound like they would be into that kind of stuff. They started picking up on this as well. And, and now I feel like it's just become sort of, even though not everybody does it, I think every organization is at least conscious that that's something that's pretty important for us right. to and and again the the core message that simon started with was this idea of of purpose 
and it evolved and morphed into, you know, leadership and creating a great culture and like all those things, which are now so important, especially when you take into account the last, you know, two and a half years that we've been in um, and how much more difficult it is to establish and maintain a really healthy and a strong culture with hybrid work or remote work. Um, but all those things I think are, are so much more top of mind now than they used to be five, Absolutely. 10, 20 years ago, you know? Right. Yeah, I, I love it. I mean, he was definitely an innovator in, in bringing in, like stepping back from just executing, right? The way I like to describe it is business used to get done sort of instead of ready, aim, fire, it was fire, ready, aim, or, you know, some yeah. combination of that. But we got to get ready to, to fire, and we can't aim unless we have a why and we know what our purpose is and, and where we're going and, and mm-hmm. in service of, of what. And yeah. I, I feel like he brought out a renaissance in the concentric circle market. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it is a nice, simple way to illustrate it. Yeah, and I think that's one of the one of the gifts that he has is the ability to take a concept that we are, I mean, like when I heard him speak for the first time, it's like, I knew that already, but the way he has a a knack for being able to explain things in a simple way that sort of reconnects you with, Oh, I knew that already. I just hadn't heard it in that way before. Right. And because I've heard it in this new way, all of a sudden it gets me thinking differently than I've thought before. You know? So true. I mean, a a lot of, the best practices and thought leadership on leadership everywhere are grounded in a lot of the same research, the same out- desired outcomes, and each person approaches it a little bit differently. And you know, it'll resonate for one person and maybe not another, which is why there's so many of us because we might be someone's taste or not someone's taste and it's all good because we all have a shared mission of creating Mm -hmm. better cultures in organizations for the sake of people enjoying the what they do and where they do it for eight to 12 hours a day and feeling motivated feeling passionate and that translates to every aspect of life and of course, then abundance uh, follows for everybody in, in most cases. So speaking of how everybody breaks their own nuance, let's fast forward through your career path to the point at which you decided to start your own consultancy. So what was that like for you and how did you get started? So uh, I... I stepped away in December of 2019. So do the math on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Super We're good time. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I mean, I, um, I have a friend uh, who also used to work on, on Simon's team. She had a saying that I draw on often. She says, good luck, bad luck, who knows, right? So, right? I mean, you, you don't know. Maybe that was great timing. Maybe it wasn't. Um, but that's when I, I chose to make the leap. So, um, obviously, you know, the pandemic has been, uh, disruptive to my industry. Anybody who was, you know, used to speaking to, 
groups in person, uh, you know, traveling on a plane to get to corporate events and that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, I mean, like most people, I've had to make a real shift and, and pivot in um, how I how I interact with clients. Um, and it's been tough, uh, if I'm honest. And, and sure. um, you know, it's, I'm not out of the woods yet, but I've, the things that I have learned um, over the last couple of years, are, are I would not trade for anything. Um, one of the things that just a, a couple of those, those learnings that I'll just, I'll mention, I got so lazy, Shaney, because for years, I just had stuff dropping in my lap, right? It was gig after gig, after gig, after gig, get on a plane, go to this place, go to that place. And, you know, it was just, yeah. okay. So one of the things I realized I didn't do is even though I, I, I had great relationships with the clients that I worked with, I didn't really maintain them because there were so many of them and there was so much going on that I just, I couldn't possibly keep track of everybody. Sure. Um, and I realized when I was on my own, I was like, I have nobody to draw on. Like I have no relation. I mean, I had a handful of relationships with clients that had had me back, you know, multiple times. Yeah. But other than that, I was like, I did a really, really poor job of genuinely building a relationship uh, that went beyond the event. So that's one of the things that I've really been focusing on the last um, six to eight months is just building really close relationships with people uh, with no expectation of anything in return. But um, what, and, and this sort of mantra that I have that I use my entire time with Simon that still drives me whenever I uh, give a presentation or get on a podcast or have a conversation is show up to give. So mm. even, and that's nice. so hard when things are going really, really well, that's easy, right? Cause the money's coming in and you know, you have more work than you can handle and it's easy to show up to give. What I found another lesson that I learned over these last couple of years is that when things are really hard and when you're grasping at any possible thing that might be a lead or might bring you in some income or might, you know, bring you a client in those cases to remember to show up to give. Oh my gosh, that is a real intentional practice right. um, because, because you need something from that person, but you don't want to feel needy or feel like I want something from you. Right. So that's another huge lesson that I've learned. And just to, to trust the process and recognize that those relationships take time. And you know what? Some of them are going to produce some, some things and some of them aren't. Some of them are going to be immediate. Some of them are going to be eight years down the road. And it doesn't matter. Like focus on what's happening right now. Don't worry about what you're going to get out of it. Yeah. But what can you give? What value can you bring to that person? How can you help them? Right. Um, that has been something that I've had to practice and intentionally practice when they're everything in my nature tells me to do it the other way. Yes. And, and it relates back to what we were talking about earlier in terms of our identity is others' perceptions of our status, our power, our wealth. Same thing when we show up to a meeting or to make a presentation or lead a workshop, it's like, oh, I have to look good. I want them to think I did a good job. And that's obviously a very me-focused energy to bring into the room as opposed mm -hmm. to I want the audience to, or you know, my, my intention is to have an impact on this group of people such that, you know, they benefit in the following ways. It is, it's, 
it's a mindset shift. And I agree with you. I have to remind myself of that too, because it's like, you want those good evaluations and those net promoter scores at the end of yeah. your thing. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, thank you for that reminder. And I, I love the show up to give. I'm going to weave that into my list of mantras. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so one of the things that we talked about before the call was a tool that I love because I also appreciate simplicity and just easy, easy applicability or, you know, so that it, it's not just so theoretical. It, your, your three H's. So if you could walk us through what they are with a brief explanation. Sure. So... I'll, I'll mention them and then I'm going to kind of give you the backstory of how I got there. Great. Um, so the three H's are honesty, humility, and humanity. And I, th that's sort of when I first got out on my own and I had, you know, all of a sudden all kinds of spare time to think about, well, what do I want to talk about? The, I, I really wanted to focus in on how do we, what's the best way to say it? I'm trying to put myself back into the mindset of when I was, when I first stepped out on my own and I thought to myself, what do I want to say? And I, I thought I want to make sure, cause I have experienced both extremes of leadership, right? I've never been a CEO. I've never been on like, you know, in a position of leading hundreds of people. I've led small teams throughout my career, but it feels inauthentic for me to approach leadership as though I've done it like other people have done it, right? So I thought to myself, well, I might not have ever, not ever, but I might not have been in a leadership position of a lot of the people that I'm speaking to, but I've been on the receiving end of a lot of leadership, mm -hmm. right? I've been on the really, really cool end of leadership, and I've been on the I need to get out of here now, end of leadership and everything in between. Right. The good, the and bad, also, the really ugly. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I thought about that and also thinking about the, the great leaders or the not so great leaders that I had, I had observed as I traveled around and worked with all these companies all over the planet for um, several years and the cultures that worked and the cultures that didn't. And I, so I, I kind of threw all that stuff into my head and I thought, how do I help people to experience the really great cultures and really great leadership and avoid the awful leadership that I've seen and experienced myself. Like what do they need in order to be able to, to get on this end of the spectrum, right? Yeah, and it sounds like you wanted to synthesize that good leadership stuff into a, a simple framework. I did. And so what I did to, to get to those three H's, they're not just random because they happen to start with H, um, you know, that, that, that it, it sort of popped out of the funnel that way. But what I did is I thought about, okay, if I think about all the incredible leaders that I've had or all the people that I look up to, all the, the leaders that I've seen and observed in these companies that I've worked with, what are the traits and characteristics that they have? And I jotted down you know, all of them on a, on a page. And there were a couple dozen of them. And I thought that's impossible to remember. I'm never gonna you know, be able to keep track of all those things. So- It's like trying to memorize the, the periodic table. Yeah, totally. And it's like, I mean, that, that's very hard to not only remember, but also to implement, right? Sure. And so I looked for patterns or I looked for uh, alignment and I thought, which, which go together and, you know, where, how do these sort of fall out? And through that process, I realized that 
everything on my list really fell under one of those three buckets of honesty, humility, or humanity. Um, so that's sort of the, the backstory of how I got to those. Um, and so we'll dive in and, and just talk about each one very briefly, and you can ask uh, whatever questions you want. But um, honesty, and, and again, there's the dictionary definition to, to some of these things, which are fine. But I, I personalized it a little bit to, to what it really means for me in the context of, of leadership, right? Um, and one other just quick side note on leadership, again, because I hadn't been in a position of leadership like a lot of the people that I you know, share this information with, the way that I approach it is, and the way that I've thought about leadership forever is leadership is not a role or a title or a position, right? It's, yeah. it's the influence that we have. We can be the lowest person on the totem pole and still have influence. We all have influence. Yeah. If we have people around us, we all have influence, right? We're all leaders. If people choose to follow us, what we say or what we do, it makes us a leader, right? right. And so we're showing up in the world. Yeah. And so rather than putting that label on it, and this is how you be a great leader, it's really more about this is how we become better human beings who influence. And if we happen to be in a position with, you know, leadership in our title, great. But it's the same for everybody. Sure. Um, and so starting with the, the idea of honesty, to me, it's really around aligning what we, what we tell people that we stand for with the actions that we take. Mm -hmm. How many times, and this, this goes for individual level as well as organizational level, right? How many times have we run across a person who has said they stand for one thing and then we see them violating that value? Or yeah. an organization that says, you know, we, our people are our number one priority, um, but then they'll step on their people in order to make a client happy or yeah. all of these things. And, and it, that, that, lack of consistency between what we say and what we do sort of makes us cock our head and go that like that doesn't feel right to us right right um, and i love that you know and the opposite of that is hypocrisy also an h <laughs> right um and i actually yeah I, I talked about that a bit in that honesty piece is when we're not doing that we're being hypocritical right um so that honesty of being able to, to be really clear about what we stand for and who we are and what we believe in and matching that with our actions. Now, nobody's perfect. We're human. We're going to screw it up. It's fine. Um, but when that separation occurs, when we act in a way that's not in line with what we say we stand for, again, honesty comes in again, where we recognize that and we do the work that we need to in order to repair that and to fix it and to get back into alignment. So that's the, that's the honesty piece. Um, humility, obviously a lot of what it sounds like, but we were, as we were talking about just a few minutes ago, so often when we tie our identity to our position or our uh, paycheck or our status or whatever it is, we make decisions based on ego. Um, we make decisions that make us look better. Um, we're, we're protective of our own ideas, of our own stuff, of us, 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 us. Mm -hmm. um, and so the way I look at humility is it's not dropping our ego because we're always going to have one. It's having a, a healthy relationship with it and recognizing when it creeps in. Right. Mm -hmm. And a lot of, I think, I feel like one of the major times that it creeps in uh, for us at work, especially is when our weaknesses are brought to light, right. When we're called out for doing something, making, making a mistake, doing something that was maybe, you know, not what we should have done especially if we're in a leadership position, 
our, we, that can kind of make us bristle and that wall goes up and we start to defend ourselves or blame other people or other circumstances or situations for what went on, right? Yep. So humility is really, it's, it's about two things for me. One is being able to recognize our weakness without that defensiveness and owning our part for whatever we did. And second, it's about having confidence in our strength. It's not about humility is not about being meek or weak or less than or any of that stuff that people are so afraid of right humility is also recognizing i'm good at this i have this experience i have this influence i have this authority and but how do i use it recognizing that strength and not using it to make ourselves better but how do we use all those things to make the people around us better right and so that that humble confidence is what i call that but how do we show up confident but not like overbearingly powerful with our ego but confident enough that we know who we are we know what we're good at and we use that those abilities the talents the gifts that we have to lift up the people around us um so that's the the humility piece the third part i think is um that's the the humanity part to me these three things are you can't have one without the others Mm -hmm. it's sort of like concrete right Concrete has very, you know, four or five very basic ingredients, but if you leave one out, it's not concrete and it falls apart. Right. So you can be honest and you can be humble, but if you're not human, which means you genuinely care about the experience you create for another person, it really doesn't matter if you have those other things, right? Right. And they all sort of overlap and, and align and they're not mutually exclusive. They sort of all meld together. You have to have all three in order to be, uh, to, to be this, this type of, of leader that, creates trust and human connection with people. So humanity is really about helping people to feel valued and valuable, seeing the human being behind the employee in a work uh, scenario, Mm -hmm. um, and doing the little things that just make people feel seen and heard. It's like, it's it's so uh, deceivingly simple but so many people just skip over it. They think we have to have an initiative or we have to have a policy or we have to have a this or that or whatever. It's as simple as just picking up your phone when a person on your team crosses your mind and say, hey, you just popped into my head. I was thinking about you. I hope you're doing okay. Like that's it. And just that makes people feel like, oh, somebody is thinking about me, recognizes that I exist. Um, there's a, um, I hope I remember the numbers right, but Gallup did a study uh, about engagement. I mean, engagement is a big thing that people talk about all the time, right? Um, And they found three, there were three parts of the study that they found. One was that when our uh, boss completely ignores us, I think that, don't quote me on the numbers, but they're within a couple of uh, percentages. 44% of us will actively disengage when we're ignored by our boss. When we are uh, criticized by our boss, when they call us out for doing something wrong, 22% 22% of us disengage. It's like 100% better. Like at least they know we exist, right? right? But if they only say one positive thing about us, we are 1% likely to disengage. It's not that hard. Like right. just recognizing the good that people are doing, calling out, giving feedback on what you're doing well, rather than only on what you screwed up or what you can do better, or where we need to improve, or blah, 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 that stuff. Yep, yep, yep. Say one positive thing that makes a person feel seen and heard, and engagement numbers skyrocket. Yep.
I love that. And, and it contributes to psychological safety, which has been totally. a buzzword for the past four or five years, but it really is, you know, it psychological safety, much like your three H's doesn't live in a vacuum. It's an amalgamation of a lot of those things that you've just articulated that then drive results because people feel safe to innovate and ideate and have a difference of opinion without fear of repercussions and bringing their full selves and you know all, all of those things that really drive high performance on a team more than any other factor out there. So, you know, we talked about Simon's concentric circles earlier. It sounds like your three H's are more of a Venn diagram. Yes. Yeah, exactly right. And in the middle is where trust and connect trust and human connection happens, right? And here's the thing. I mean, I, I talk about this stuff and I've been talking about this stuff for so many years and I there are two sort of, well, there are more than two schools of thought, but two things come up a lot. One is, I mean, I already, this is not thought leadership. I already know this stuff, right? So my question is, well, why aren't we doing it? And that's something that I'm exploring and helping people get over the, the things that keep them from doing the things they know they should do. Yep. But then another big school of thought is, well, that's all like fine and good and, you know, airy fairy mushy stuff that doesn't really affect our business so i make a very clear tie-in to again going back to the venn diagram that trust and connection that is a result when we show up consistently honest humble and human think about every successful company that you know of what do they care about performance retention uh revenue innovation employee well-being, hopefully, right? But all these things that are doing everything they can to increase those numbers. What they don't realize is they so often are self-sabotaging those exact same things by the cultures that they promote and maintain, where there is no trust, there is no human connection because we're, saying, we're doing things that are different than what we're saying. Mm -hmm. We're letting our egos lead us. We're treating people like a number instead of like a human being. All of those things make us turn inward we start to, you know, protect ourselves, our ideas. We, we, you know, don't share anything that might not work because we don't want to get in trouble. We're always watching our backs because nobody else is. And how likely are you to perform well, uh, collaborate with other people, innovate, or have well-being at work if that's the state you're showing up in? Oh, for sure. So there's absolutely a connection with all of those metrics and those numbers and those things that organizations are trying to increase and the level of trust and connection that they have on their teams. Absolutely. Love all that and couldn't agree more. One of the next, the, the next thing I want to ask before we sort of wrap up is how do we bring it from the three H's to let's share a, just a couple of behaviors that people can start to do to move the needle on honesty, humility, and humanity? Sure. So uh, I'll give you, and, and this is not a prescription, but these are a couple of ideas just to get your ideas rolling because it's going to look different for everyone. Everyone sure. has a different context and, and situation, right? So for honesty, um, there's a prerequisite to this idea of, of living in line with what we say we stand for, right? Which is we have to know what we stand for. So the prerequisite for being able to, to show up in an honest way is to be really clear on our own uh, values, 
on what we believe, what we stand for, the world we want to see, what we're working toward. Uh, once we have that, we need to write it down, review it often. Don't just do the work and then put it away. Um, but with values specifically, these are the actions that we take in order to make sure that we live into what we believe in, right? And so those values have to be verbs. They have to be actionable. They have to be things that we can do. Um, so practice, once you've done that sort of prerequisite work and written that stuff down, this is one of the things I've been doing for the last um, several months is every week I'll look at one of my values and one of the associated actions I have two or three for each one. Mm -hmm. And every time I walk through a doorway for that week, I will say in my mind, the action that is tied to that value. So, um, and I forget, you know, doorways every once in a while, but create some sort of a trigger. Every time you sit down in your office chair, say in your mind that action that uh, is associated with your value. The more we can remind ourselves of those things, and the more it gets into our bones, the more likely we are to actually show up in that way and be right. consistent. It's like the advice that people give. If you want to instill something else into your morning routine, like a brief meditation or something, do it right before, right after you brush your teeth, because you know you're going to do that. So you stack the habit with something that is yeah. cemented. I love that. Yeah. And I mean, for... James Clear is a genius on that stuff. Uh, the book Atomic Habits. I yes, think is, yes, yes. It's so good. And that's been a huge help to me in being able to incorporate some of these things into my day where normally I would forget about them. Um, but those habit stacks and the triggers and those kind of things are really, really helpful for that. Yeah. One other I practice. I just want to show you one more thing before you yeah. move on to the next thing. Yeah. I, I keep this index card of my values on my desk and I have- Oh, I love life. it in my bathroom because once again i am always in my bathroom in the morning and sometimes in the evening blow drying my hair washing my face and i always like to be reminded of them and then just sort of reflect on them because if i'm in the bathroom the reason i keep them there in addition to my office is when i'm in the bathroom i'm not answering emails and distracted by <laughs> all the other things and i can give it a little more thought <laughs> I love that. And that was kind of a, that was a, a step that I skipped, which is write those things down on a sticky note and put it on your mirror, put it on your computer, put it in different places that you can see it. Cause if we're not seeing it all the time, it's not going to, not going to sink in. Um, one more practice with honesty that I think is really helpful is a, a bit of a, a retrospective exercise, but like at the end of each day, um, I, I use a journaling app. You can do it however you want to do it. But, um, and even the questions that you ask, I'm not going to prescribe, but you might jot down your values. How did I do with this value today? Thumbs up, thumbs down for each one, just at the end of the day to review. How did I do? Where did I screw up? What can I do better tomorrow? Um, the more we can be conscious and intentional about living what we say we stand for, the better off we're going to be. And we, it's a daily pursuit. We're never going to be done, mm -hmm. but we can always do better the next day. So those are a couple of practices for honesty. Great. Um, humility. Uh, wow, there are so many, but I think um, a couple that are, again, very, very simple, especially if you're in a leadership position or a position of influence where people naturally look to you for an answer, be the last one to speak or give your opinion in a group. Um, what happens, what I've seen happen so often is when 
a team is talking about, you know, a strategy or next steps or whatever, if the leader speaks first and says, this is what I think we should do, magically, everybody's answers mirror the leaders, right? Of course. If you go last, you have the opportunity to hear what everyone else has to say, their opinions, their thoughts, their concerns about whatever it is. You can take all of that in and then give your answer. Yep. And it just gives you a nice opportunity to sit back and shine the light on somebody else. <clears throat> um, which brings me to the second thing is when you're recognized for something, share the spotlight, right? We never do anything great on our own. Whether, I mean, even if we were working on the project by ourselves, we had maybe family at home that was supporting us while we were working long hours, right? Share the spotlight with them. Or if you did have a thought partner or somebody that was working on something with you, share it, always share it and remind yourself that you're not the smartest person in the room. You're not the most important person in the room. Um, make sure that you think outside yourself. Yep. Love that. Um, humanity, again, so many, so many things, um, but a couple of simple ideas. I, this is one that I use all the time and I, I mentioned it before, but I'll say it again. When a friend of mine or a neighbor or a, you know, a team member, somebody pops into my head, I'll not necessarily always stop what I'm doing right in the middle if I'm in the flow of something, but when I get a minute, I'll pick up my phone and I will just send them a quick text. Hey, I was thinking about you. Just wanted to let you know that I love you, whatever it yeah. is, right? Um, the other thing is handwritten notes. Mm, yeah, lovely. Like you could say the exact same thing in an email, but it feels so much better when they pull something out of the mailbox that you took time and energy to write, put a stamp on, walk to the mailbox, put it in there. Yeah, it takes longer, but it means more. So right. just the, the impact little is things. greater. It shows so much more. Totally, yeah. Yeah. So Great. Well, I love those. And I thank you for sharing your wisdom. And I'm guessing um, some of the content of the book you're planning to work on. Just a little fun <laughs> for the future. Um, yeah. So, David, how can people reach you if they're interested in learning more? Uh, you can go to my website, which is davidjmead.com. Um, you'll get links to all my other stuff from there as well. But uh, if you like LinkedIn better, you can go to uh, LinkedIn. I'm at davidjmead on LinkedIn as well. Terrific. And any parting words before I close this out? Um, a couple things. So the I, I absolutely love doing this work. And like I said, the my intent in doing this is to, to help as many people as possible experience work in a way that is really, really meaningful for them. Um, so I'm just, I'm offering this uh, to the first five people who reach out to me by email or however I get the, the, uh, the, the correspondence is fine, but for the first five people, um, if you are struggling with something around culture or relationships or human issues at work, and you want to talk about it and you want to see how um, to build trust and human connection and to sort of take some positive first steps toward creating a, a stronger culture, um, reach out and I'll offer the first five people a 45 minute uh, session where we can just talk about that and maybe help brainstorm some ideas of That's some things we can do. Promo code leadership. Yeah. Also, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it's very generous of you. It is happy to um, do it. showing up to give. I love it. <laughs> Always. <laughs> and I appreciate it. 
So leader shifters, there was some massive meat in this discussion sandwich today, and I hope you took a lot away from it. Some of the things that I wrote down just as I was listening to highlight, of course, the three H's, what a great, easy to remember framework, honesty, humility, and humanity. And as part of that, detaching that identity from our ego, it's, it's hard work and it's kind of what life is all about at the end of the day. So really, like I still struggle with it. David admitted he still struggles with it. Doesn't mean we can't do better, right? There is no such thing as ever getting it done or ever getting it right. Working on it daily in small little increments does help to move that needle and bring us more joy and fulfillment, which by the way, not enough of us have. Um, and of course, love some of the behavioral shifts that David recommended uh, as part of each of those three H's. So super cool to have you on with us, David. Best of luck in continuing to grow your practice. And let's definitely keep in touch. Will do. Thanks, Till next time. <laughs>